Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again, and buckle up for another great conversation. Well, we just had that episode with Kev. Yeah. Uh, how'd you feel, man? Mate, it was like... No words, no words. I feel warm. Definitely feel warm after I it. I feel very warm. Very warm. He's um he's a very great speaker. Um, I think you reached out to him earlier in the year, Sonny, or I think you connected with him like last year, and then yeah. all of a sudden we're on a podcast with him, which is great. Um, I I definitely felt really warm listening to it. There's a lot. There's a lot to dissect. I mean, there's a lot of um intersections. Um, that's a, that's definitely a theme <laughs> of this podcast: intersectionality. Yeah. Um. And I think I've got. I'm having a look over here that um, for the, maybe for, for people that don't really know what intersectionality is, Sonny, like, well, what is it, mate? I don't think we actually defined it on the podcast, but it'll be good maybe for, <laughs> for other people to, to know what exactly what it is. It was coined in 1989 by a professor called Kimberly Crenshaw um, to describe how uh, race, class, gender, and other individual characteristics intersect with one another and overlap. Yeah, basically, um, it's the coming together of all these different unique aspects of our identity whether that's yeah. Yeah, race, socioeconomic status, um, yeah. you know, our upbringing, our you know, neurodivergency, all these different things of our identity coming together to make us who we are. And I think, mm. um, you know, you can have so many different versions of different people with different things. And I think Kev really spoke to that, that no two people are the same with Tourette's. Um, yeah. And that is, the, that is the very fundamental idea behind all of it. So, mm. um, yeah, our first American guest... Uh, yeah, first American guest. Yeah, yeah, and our third international guest. Can you believe that, Sonny? Third international yeah, guest. Yeah, we're, we're, really, uh, we're doing our market entry right now, so yeah, yeah exactly. We're there. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got, we've got uh, two continents uh, ticked off. We've got England with UK. Shout out to Nick Butter and Armin Vestard, and now yeah. we've got another the Americas, which is uh, with Kevin. Um, uh, three. We've got Australia as well. We're gonna. Got a oh, Australia, of course. Australia, if, you, if, you, if you classify Australia or Australia as a continent, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Three, three countries, three um, three continents. Um, um, a really good, really good listen. I think we touched on a lot of different uh, areas. Kevin's upbringing, um, his experience with Tourette's, and mm. what, what it was like for him getting his diagnosis, um, his time, you know, coming out as queer, and then also he also studies at Stanford and Harvard as well. Um, mm. Thirty-six hours in a day. I don't know how he finds it, but he does. <laughs> no, he does it. Yeah, he does. Does you? And I think we'll uh, most likely pick up the action of our conversation um, at that point where he describes his day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, but yeah, no. I'm um, hope, hope you guys enjoy this one, and um, see you at the end. Boom. Um, one of the ways before we dive deep into it, and um, we often start all our podcasts in a pretty with a pretty simple question, but I think it highlights quite a bit. Um, and that question is, how have you? How has your sleep been uh, over the last couple of weeks? How has my sleep been over the last couple of weeks? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a question that I would probably answer differently if I weren't on the 
tail end of my <laughs> two-year business school journey. Uh, the the truthful answer is uh, I haven't gotten much of it these last couple of weeks, but for, for good reason, right? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to make the absolute most of my last few weeks in business school by way of hanging out with people, trying new things, going out of my way to you know, collect meaningful experiences. Uh, so the sleep that I do get <laughs> is always good. Uh, I just don't get much of it. And and I will add, um, I've always been a really good sleeper. And, and by that, I mean, from the time my head hits the pillow to the time <laughs> I'm actively sleeping, no more than two minutes. And I can also fall asleep anywhere at any point in time. And I think as I've grown up, people have have expressed a lot of envy uh for for, for that and uh, i guess it's a hidden talent of mine that i've never truly appreciated until until uh until now be a bit of um bit of context for you kevin sunny and i we've, we've traveled a little bit together and sunny has the exact same personality I don't, I don't think it's a personality trait but he has the exact same kind of habit that he's instilled in i don't know how it happens oh, wiring. this guy can fall asleep anywhere like we were in japan and like i'm always i'm always like saying to myself okay i want to try and have like a nice dnm with him like but just before we're about to go to sleep and then it would not it would not last like two seconds before i hear some very deep breathing <laughs> so it was like yeah i think it's, it's it is a very good habit to uh, have and i think kev it's a it, it's a super habit i love it it's a super habit <laughs> and i think right, especially right. with, <laughs> especially with you kevin like get, i think sunny mentioned i think you mentioned it but you literally just before that you do a that you do a dual masters how do you, and what, one from Stanford, one from Harvard, how do you find 36 hours in your day to, to do that? <laughs> 36 Man, hours. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you, if I could somehow find an additional 12 hours somewhere, I would gladly share the secret. Uh, I'm still trying to crack that one though. Um, you know, I, I think we're all given the same amount of, of time in a day, right? Um, and I try to be really thoughtful with how I spend mine and, you know, coming into business school, um, I, I thought to myself, all right, there are four big buckets that kind of comprise my business school experience, the academic bucket, the professional bucket, the social bucket and the personal bucket. And that comes with things like health and wellness and what I'm eating and how much sleep I'm getting. And I think what I've grown to appreciate over time mm -hmm. is Anytime you enter a new chapter of life, think about how you want to allocate your time and energy across those four buckets, but also recognize that you're not married to the first hypothesis you test, right? Mm. Try something, see if it sticks, and, and then reevaluate on kind of an ongoing basis what's working and what's not, and give yourself the space and the grace to kind of make those adjustments. And that's been the theme of of, of life in general for me is try something. And if it, if it doesn't work, that's okay. Uh, try something else and, and give yourself the, the flexibility to do that. Yeah, that's really well said. And Kev also, people are probably hearing this American accent of yours and, and thinking <laughs> where you're from and you're not in Australia at the moment. Uh, you actually are probably, I think our first American guest um, that we've had on, Main, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, first American guest, second international yeah. guest, yeah. Yeah, the Your accents are way cooler than mine. I'm sorry <laughs> that I, I fall so short of expectations. <laughs> no, I love it. And like maybe for those listening, um, where like let's paint the picture, where are you located at the moment? Um Mank was talking about those thirty six hours of yours. Um what are you doing at the moment as well? 
Yeah, so right now I am in the bustling town of Palo Alto, California. It is about 45 minutes south of San Francisco in California, so on the westernmost side of the United States. And it's Friday afternoon for me, about 3.45. I wrapped up class this morning. I uh, grabbed food with some friends, and I just got back from a run. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to have this conversation with you. And then we've got uh, a gala tonight celebrating our Black Business Student Association. Um, one of the coolest nice. things about uh, being here at the GSB is the, uh, the diverse kind of backgrounds and lived experiences and perspectives that folks bring to this community. Uh, and tonight is one of many examples of, of a group showcasing that for, uh, for the community. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for the weekend. Yeah. You are. Question, do you, do you guys find a difference listening to music or not listening to music when you guys run? Yeah, you guys. Strict running with music kind of guy. And, and yeah. not only do I run exclusively with music, but I run to a specific playlist that I've curated <laughs> with songs that have a certain beat per minute just because my pace is is really important to me if I'm trying to qualify for a certain race mm. or, or break a certain PR. So... Uh, for me, it's a, a very specific set of music that I listen to. Um, I've heard some folks run to podcasts. And for me, I think <laughs> I get so into podcasts that I feel like I'd, I'd start running backwards because I, I, I wouldn't be on top of my pace. But who knows? Maybe maybe <laughs> I will I will get so sucked into the content that Bottled Up produces uh, <laughs> that, that I'll start listening to y'all on my runs instead. <laughs> uh, make sure you don't lose your hearing when you listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to I wanna shift gears, Kev. Um, we... So in Australia at the moment, it's actually National Tourette's um, Syndrome Awareness Week at the moment. Um, and really? so, yeah, uh, the 2nd of May uh, to the 8th of May. Um, and Look so, at that. I, I truly <laughs> didn't know that such a week existed. And yeah. it warmed my heart to hear that. Mm. And, and I feel like there's more awareness being created um, around Tourette's itself, which is really wonderful to see. Someone we've also had on Bottled Up, Mank, had the pleasure of sitting down yeah. with him, a um, guy called Tom Monagle. Um, was an incredible story as well. And one of the reasons, um, obviously, you had that talk that you published on LinkedIn um, with the GSB uh, and you speaking about, you know, first impressions, expanding your in-group, um, you know, actually seeing different perspectives. But you spoke very specifically about an incident. I think it was in 2014 um, that really stood out for you. And um, I'll let you take it away. Um, but I remember, you know, the three words, um, you know, scaring the bears. Um, for those listening in, um, you know, what was that incident uh, for you? Yeah, Sonny, I, I appreciate the chance to, to speak to it. Uh, summer of, of 2014, I signed up to do a pretty wild bike ride from Austin, Texas, where I went to school, to uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, which uh, I, I can't do the, the conversion from miles to kilometers <laughs> quickly enough in my head, but it's a really long bike ride across the U.S. and Canada. It was just over 4,500 miles, um, and it took us 70 days to do. Um, so as you can imagine, I did a lot of growing and learning and discovering that summer about myself and about the folks I was lucky enough to, to do that summer ride with. 
and my family actually flew up to Anchorage, Alaska to watch us cross the finish line. Lots of family members were up and we had a, a big kind of celebratory party at the end of this this uh, this feat. And we were vacationing in Alaska for about a week afterwards. And a few days after the ride, I was with my grandparents, my parents, my cousins, and we were at the zoo in Anchorage. And uh, I remember so clearly we were at the, the bear exhibit and I, I ticked and after three, four, maybe five ticks, uh, a woman, total stranger, standing next to me, uh, turned, turned to me and said, hey, will you stop making those noises? You're scaring the bears. And she said it in a, a pretty ugly tone. And I remember in that moment feeling so small and so othered uh, and I think the reason I felt those those feelings so strongly was because I had just spent 70 days really growing into myself and into my skin and I had been surrounded all summer with you know a community of, of 26 folks who loved me for exactly who I was. And, and dress is a big part of, of who I am. So to go from one extreme uh, to, to another, just in terms of, of support and understanding, I think was a really jarring experience for me. Um, and it was, you know, it, um, it it made me feel hurt. It made me feel unseen. Um, and I, I remember the incident uh, truly like it was it was yesterday. You, you mentioned that, Kevin. Thank you for sharing. By the way, that's um, that that that, that is um, yeah. So sorry, you had to you had to go to that, Kevin. And for those who don't who don't know, there might be an unspoken stigma around people or perception of people that have Tourette's. And I think this is a great opportunity yep. for I guess for you to like sort of clear up all that kind of confusion and and, and misinformation. You know, you mentioned their ticks, Kevin. Um, what's the di- is there a difference between um someone who has a tick and someone who has has Tourette's syndrome? You know, it's a it's a good question, and I think the most confusing part about Tourette's is that so many folks in the medical community view it through so many different lenses that there isn't this universally accepted, this is what Tourette's is, this is what Tourette's isn't, right? Um, so you've got Tourette's, you've got um, what some folks call tick disorder, you've got um, a, a somewhat dated term which is PANDAS, P-A-N-D-A-S, which stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Infection. So you've got all of this really kind of inaccessible and exclusive language circling around what it means to, to have ticks. Uh, for me, I, I first uh, started ticking in sixth grade i quite literally woke up one morning making soft pickup like noises i couldn't control and you know over time the ticks have evolved some have have grown in prevalence others have um have disappeared entirely but again i think the tricky thing about threats is that it manifests itself so differently in different people that there isn't a clear cut uh, this is what someone with Tourette's uh, looks like. This is how someone with Tourette's ticks. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a moving target, right? right? 
But to your point around these misconceptions or these preconceived notions, uh, first and foremost, seldom have folks heard about Tourette's, right? Um, but on the off chance that you have heard about Tourette's, I'd venture to say that eight people out of 10 see it as this condition that makes people swear uncontrollably mm. in public. And there are videos on the internet that perpetuate that. There are movies that, that reinforce that. Um, and in reality, that actually applies to a very small minority of folks within the Tourette's umbrella. Um, what, what Tourette's is, at its core, is a neurological condition characterized by involuntary motor outbursts or, or, or vocal outbursts called tics, right? So uh, some folks have a more pronounced uh, iteration of, of Tourette's uh, where they've got more vocal tics. Others have a more pronounced uh, physiological or motor tic. Um, so again, it, it, it's, it's tricky to talk about because it means so many different things to, to so many different people. Uh, but that, I think, underscores the importance of of having conversations like this one, right? Because it helps to kind of humanize an otherwise foreign or or confusing thing that that folks either don't know about or actively choose to not talk about. Yeah, agreed. And I think where it, <clears throat> where it becomes quite interesting, Kev, is where I guess you know people that are neurodivergent, um, or where you know these things become intersectional. Um, especially where people come from different backgrounds. Um, you know, I can imagine the situation where, um, you know, in America, you know, someone that might be queer and, and a black woman, and she might be, you know, they might be experiencing um, sexism, racism, homophobia, and there's all these different layers that really um, shield you um, from society in many different ways. Um, and, you know, I, I can see that as being, you know, something that is so common as well. And, and only now, I don't know, maybe in the US context, you might be more familiar, but there's starting to be a little bit more discussion, at least um, in terms of, you know, raising awareness of these things. Um, there's still a ton of work that needs to be done. Um, for you, you know, when you did get um, diagnosed, um, I guess maybe, you know, that conversation, when when did you get diagnosed um, with Tourette's and, and how did you feel um, when someone was to, um, I guess, you know, put a finger on, on what was going on? Because I imagine there would have been a lot of confusion and a lot of complexity um, within yourself and your own identity, not knowing what might have been happening. Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, Sonny. Um, I, was, I was diagnosed in sixth grade, so mm -hmm. I had spent the first 11, 12 years of my life free of, of Tourette's. And as I mentioned, uh, I, I woke up one morning in my bed making these noises that I couldn't control. And I remember um, I had just gotten ready for school and I was down in the kitchen um, getting my, my lunch ready maybe. And my mom kind of turned around and said, Kevin, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the understanding to, to kind of navigate that discussion. And uh, I think in the moment, my my mom, not knowing any better, said, "Well, stop! You don't you don't need to be doing that, right?" And and it pains her 
to to hear this story because she went on to be my greatest champion and my fiercest advocate and and she still is to this day but i think in that moment none of us really knew what was going on right um it, it didn't take my mom very long to realize though that that something was off or different and that i wasn't just making these noises because i wanted to so she uh she took it upon herself to to start doing a lot of research she joined forums with um with with parents uh who had kids with threats she made me a million and one doctor's appointments we saw specialist after specialist after specialist and i remember one afternoon in particular she picked me up from school and we were going to another pediatric neurologist to see if we could figure out a what this was and b how we could solve it or make it better and she drove a red jeep cherokee at the time and i was sitting in the front seat and she said kevin i want you to try something i want you to see how long you can go without making one of your noises and i remember looking at the digital clock on the dashboard of the car and it was one of those older cars where the the digits were made up of individual kind of green lines that made a very boxy blocky uh you know display and i said okay so i i i physically held my breath for what seemed like an eternity uh only to tick a few seconds later and realize that the minute on the clock hadn't changed um and you know i the the podcast is called bottled up um and i i was quite physically bottling those ticks up and it's something that uh i got better at doing over time um when i was in school for example i tried to the extent that i could to kind of keep my ticks bottled up my mom told me when i was younger though she could always tell when i had done a really good job of bottling my ticks up at school because when i got home after school it's like the the cap popped off the bottle and i almost my body almost had to compensate for all of the ticking that i hadn't done during the day um and and there are certain things that i find in my adult life now that that allow me to to control it so you know if you think about your brain you've really got a hundred percent capacity and when my brain is focused on doing something else, be it giving a speech or running or playing an instrument or writing a paper, it's almost like so much of my capacity is dedicated to that, that my brain forgets to remind my body to tick. Um, and I, I kind of a, a tangent, I sometimes get lost in my own stories, but um, you know, going back to your initial question, you know, what that felt like, I think it was just a lot of confusion um, and, and frankly, there's still a bit of confusion around, again, you know, what helps Tourette's? Is it, you know, uh, I don't know, like in my own experience, I find that I typically tick less often um, after I've gotten a good night's sleep or am mindful of what I eat or if I'm really prioritizing running, going back to kind of our our health and wellness conversation. So while I've gained a lot of clarity around what Tourette's looks and feels like for me, again, it's it's kind of a, a moving target. And on any given day, um, I might have a new tick 
I might uh, have a really aggressive day. I might have a really subdued day. Um, but it, you know, it ebbs and flows. You um, and I think that that really like sort of links back to what you mentioned in the sort of the first and our first initial discussion around some of those um those activities that you that you were doing that hiking and and running and establishing all those kind of good habits has that routine kind of helped you sort of manage your like guys like manage your ticks in, in in a certain way and in a more i guess more healthy way instead of trying to keep them a bit more restricted and making a mental effort to sort of keep to suppress them yeah absolutely i think um staying on top of what I'm doing, staying on top of, of my health and wellness, being active, spending time outdoors, which is really easy to do in the Bay Area and in, in Texas where <laughs> I'm from. All of those things definitely help me to kind of stay on top of it. You know what else really helps me stay on, on, on top of it, though, um, is, is, is kind of erring on the side of, of over-communicating when it comes to new people and new places. Um, so, you know, going back to middle school, after I had finally been diagnosed and we knew more or less what was going on, um, middle school was really, really forlorn for me. Um, it was a tough three years and middle school sucks for everyone, <laughs> right? You're going through puberty. You're not sure who you are, what's happening to your body. Why are you, uh, you know, having these thoughts. And for me, I think that that disdain for that chapter of my life was heightened because I had been thrown this really nasty curveball. Uh, and it wasn't until high school that um, my mom sat me down and said, uh, I remember it so clearly. She said, Kevin, you have Tourette's, but Tourette's doesn't have mm. you. It's, it's one of many parts of you. Uh, so start to own that. And, and that was my first call to action and I, I said to myself you know what I think I'm going to get out ahead of this narrative and tell my own story before other folks try to tell it for me um, so my mom and I went to kind of meet the teacher session before my first day of freshman year of high school and we talked about it and for each of my teachers I said hey on the first day of class I would really appreciate maybe a minute and a half to two minutes to get up in front of the class and kind of explain uh, how being in class with me might feel different at first as someone with Tourette's. And I'd get up to the, the front of the room on, on the first day of every class and say, hey, I'm Kevin, I have Tourette's, this is what that means. And, and my hope in starting a school year off like this is to kind of invite you into this conversation to ask questions as they pop up to share thoughts as as they pop up and it's it, that's been kind of a recurring theme in my life i almost feel like anytime i'm with new people or in a new setting i have to come out again as someone with tourette's never mind also being queer and and i'm sure we can go down that uh that that route uh before too long but you know, the same thing happened um, in, in consulting. Every three months, I would be working with a new client in a new physical city or state with a new team of consultants at, at my firm as well. And it got to the point where I would send an email <clears throat> before I even started on the project to both the clients and the, the consulting team just to introduce myself and say, hey, 
if you hear noises coming out of, of my workstation, no need to say bless you, although I, I appreciate it. It's not a sneeze. It's a tick. I have Tourette's. This is what that means. And you would be shocked by the number of, of people who took and still take me up on my invitation to grab coffee or lunch and, and just listen to my story. And it's that it's that continued kind of curiosity curiosity and, and eagerness to learn more about me uh, that, that kind of keeps me going and in turn kind of compels me to learn more about other folks and, and what makes them uniquely them. I love that. I, I really do love that. And Kev, like, I'm sure you touched on that point around um, being queer. I do want to tap into that. Um, I also do want to tap into how you've gone about building relationships um, with people at the GSB, um, as well as at Harvard as well. And um, I know that you'd probably be in a pool of so many wonderful people all coming from different backgrounds. And I'm keen to know whether you've also found, you know, your in-group um, or how you've actually been expanding that uh, for yourself. So we'll, we'll touch on that as well. But um, one thing is, um, you know, I think critical reflection um, increases awareness, not only about ourselves, but our position in relation to others as well. And you touched on this just a moment ago in professional settings, people taking you up for coffee um, within organizations. Um, how have you sort of seen intersectionality um, play out in relation to your own uh, mental health um, and how have you seen those different elements of your identity um, whether it be Tourette's and um, you know being queer um, whatever else there might be in that puzzle how have you seen sort of that coming together to create you know the wonderful pen that you are it's such a good question Sonny um, and I think it, it really boils down to this notion that all of our fates as human beings are inextricably linked, you know? Um, and I can't help but think back to the summer of 2020. COVID had been going on for a couple of, of months at that point and, and the global community for the first time, certainly in my lifetime and really for the first time since, you know, the the, the Spanish flu back in the early 1900s, the global community was, was kind of up against the same challenge, right? And we were all being impacted by it. We were all feeling it in, you know, and for some groups that, 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 that impact was disproportionately higher than, than it was for others. Uh, and then George Floyd is murdered right in in minneapolis and oh man i had a conversation with someone about this yesterday and in, in a class that i'm that i'm in um june 2020 uh i was you know sitting in my apartment still had a job was still making good money was still able to cook and go outside i had a really really privileged set up with respect to how I was navigating the pandemic. And uh, there was a, a protest uh, happening literally outside the street I lived on. And um, I had a full afternoon of calls that day. Um, and my roommates and I said, you know what, 
this isn't how we want to spend our afternoon. So I, I, I messaged out to my team and said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it. And uh, we got our, our, our signs and we, we protested. Um, and we were walking through a boarded up boys town, which is the LGBTQ neighborhood in Chicago on June 1st, right? The beginning of Pride Month, which is typically a time to celebrate and be proud and to kind of reel and relish in your queerness. And uh, it, it, it didn't feel that way. It was very somber. It was very ominous. You know, bars were boarded up. Restaurants were closed. We were having this racial reckoning as a country and as a world on top of the pandemic, on top of our queer identities. And I think, uh, you know, for me, as a white cis gay man, it's really important to kind of recognize and appreciate how inextricably linked my liberation and my ability to live my authentic life how inextricably linked those things are to the liberation of other folks who hold marginalized identities, right? Marsha P. Johnson was a trans black woman who started the Stonewall riots to kind of kick off the queer liberation movement and how that kind of intersectionality to your question uh, isn't recognized by everyone is, is, is kind of lost on me. Um, so, so I think, you know, going back to the root of, of your question, for me, it's being queer, it's being neurodiverse, it's having Tourette's. Um, you know, sometimes just existing as your authentic self is the best form of activism. Because by occupying spaces and by navigating systems that weren't built for you, you are helping slowly but surely to kind of dismantle those spaces and those systems and hopefully helping to reimagine them in a way that is more equitable and just for for every single person yeah that's a really powerful like idea i guess um in terms of you know being yourself and and just by being yourself you can create the change that you want to see in the world type of thing and i think it's a really important um idea to have um and i think like it kind of goes back to what you mentioned there around you know coming out what was that process like for you um it's something that i personally of course like we we don't understand like how difficult that might have been for you um but we're really good to sort of get a bit more like get more insight into what that process kind of looked like for you when you were growing up yeah oh man my coming out process was uh again, really, really privileged in a lot of ways, but also wildly public in in a lot of ways. And and by that, I mean, I came out my, I want to say my junior year of college. So a, a bit later in life, but everyone's timeline is valid, right? And everyone's at, at different points on their respective journey. Um, I, I was running for student body president at the University of Texas. 52,000 students. It's a, it's a big school. And, uh, you know, student body president is a, a, a really big thing there. It's a state school. So, you know, I met with the governor on a monthly basis and I oversaw a 250 person organization. I had more constituents than a lot of mayors of small towns in Texas. Too. So it was a, mm. it was a bigger deal than I think I realized. And 
uh, my running mate, Bina Kim, still one of my very close friends. Uh, she's a uh, she's a Korean American woman, and uh, our our campaign was around uh, this idea of sharing your story. And uh, you know, throughout the campaign process, we have folks post on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter, and there would be pictures with kind of share your story with Kevin and Bina or like campaign frame on the edge and folks would use the caption of their photos to tell deeply personal stories about their lived experiences and, and their identities and every night as i was going to bed i'd scroll through literally hundreds of of, of beautiful stories being shared with 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 the public and i thought to myself shit these people really know their stories do i know my own story well enough and and uh sunny to your point around kind of critical thought and reflection i started asking myself some really critical and thoughtful questions and in a lot of ways kind of came into my queerness is how i i described it so i put together a list of maybe 15 20 people family and friends who uh, who i wanted to hear directly from me that i was an am gay and unsurprisingly, my mom, I'm a, a proud card-carrying member of the Mama's Boys Club, and she was the first person I came out to. Um, uh, she and I had coffee at a Starbucks on Jollyville, <laughs> this road in Austin, and kind of beat around the bush. And then eventually I said, you know, Mom, uh, I'm, I'm seeing someone, actually. I'm, I'm dating someone, and without skipping a beat without even pausing my mom said okay what's his name mm. and yeah. that right there was just such a powerful moment for me and it speaks to my mom and her character mm. Um, and to who she is, and, and she quickly said, Kevin, it, it was really never a matter of if we have this conversation, it was a matter of when you'd feel ready to have this conversation for me. And that was very much the springboard for mm -hmm. my coming out process. So I, I had these conversations with the people close to me in my life, and then word kind of spread, and people started talking about the first openly gay student body president at the University of Texas, and it got picked up by the the Huffington Post and by local media outlets and folks started interviewing me and this story just kind of spiraled. Um, I, I remember I was at a I was at a gay bar one night and I don't know if either you yak uh, a few years ago, but this like yeah. anonymous reporting tool where communities could come and like post shit anonymously and it was a really kind of toxic environment in a lot of ways. But mm. I remember my my chief of staff one morning sending me a screenshot of something and he was like kevin have you seen this on yik yak and it was a post <laughs> and someone had said uh hey is our new student body president gay i, I saw him making out with a guy at this bar last night um and there was a lot of like people saying yeah hello do you not know anything about him so i i know that was a, a very kind of roundabout I love that. way of <laughs> Of, of answering your question, but I, you know, my coming out process, again, was very public. It was under the microscope of 50,000 people and then in a much broader yeah. sense, but it was also deeply moving and deeply powerful, and I owe 
I think I owe everything with respect to kind of who I am and how I navigate the world today to the very thoughtful and and caring and forward-thinking family and community that I was lucky enough to come out to all those years ago. We, uh, so just, just before you could say, I just want to let you know that I feel very warm like right now like even like when when you yeah. mentioned when you mentioned that your your mum had like had said it was had that kind of question of when rather than than how that how question i, I feel really warm like after yeah that same yeah. <laughs> we need to get your mum on the podcast Kevin. yeah like how to be a mum <laughs> she'll she'll blow me out of the water I, people people will sometimes think that i'm okay and then they meet my mom and they're like oh kevin i'm i'm done with you yeah. all my time with your mom join the club there's a long line what what is her name her name is sarah 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 i hope you're listening you've got an absolutely lovely son yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you too this is much. this is an open invite if you want to come on the podcast <laughs> we, we've got a slot <laughs> get another, get another guest on. <laughs> be careful she'll take you up on it she uh she never shies yeah. away from a good conversation i love that um man i feel the same as you like very warm and um, i think part of it is also like at least i can only speak for myself like coming from a south asian background those conversations never existed <laughs> um and and often um it definitely like I think part of like Kev for your context like Mank and I have always talked about it like you know as as people who become more aware of our own mental health and the society we're growing on you know part of the obligation <clears throat> on ourselves to educate our parents and and bring that awareness to them because they didn't have that awareness you know we're talking three four decades ago so I really love that I, I think the dial is moving even within our community as well people are becoming slightly more cognizant of it and you know there's still work that needs to be done but I think we're making really good headwind one of the um one of the questions that came out and maybe you know linking this back to your experience right now uh, in the masters that you're doing or even as a student body president often we look at these things and we always think about the negatives you know mm. kev has Tourette's and kev is queer like it must mean this 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 but there's so many positives that are there that often always get overlooked um you know and i think that might be in the way that you relate to people, the way you start conversations, the way you're able to understand people because of your intersectionality. Um, I'm wondering, you know, were there any distinct moments for you where you you realized that this was actually a power within you? Because um, I think that's where it really changes the needle. Uh, when you realize that you've actually got a superpower within you, it's people's problem if they don't understand that. Um, you know, being authentic to yourself, that's how we start moving the needle, uh, especially in these conversations. Yeah, I I have been lucky enough to experience uh, a lot of those moments mm. in in life, and and there weren't any in the early days, mm. right? Um, I spent the first three years after my diagnosis walking around with a huge chip on my shoulder. Why me? What have I done? Why am I different? This sucks. Mm. And it goes back to that first conversation I had with my mom. And I think the 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 reframe that that I and, and, and to paint you a picture in middle school, if I were in public and I ticked and someone looked over at me, I would get really frustrated. And and maybe justifiably so. No one likes to get scared at, but I, I, I just had a lot of anger and frustration kind of pent up um in, in my system. And 
I talked about that inflection point going into high school where I've, I've, I've since started to view those interactions as teachable moments, as opportunities to kind of share with someone how my lived experience is different than theirs and, and how there's a lot of beauty in that. Um, and I could literally spend probably every minute for the rest of my life until I die sharing stories about interactions I've had with people because it, it happens to me literally every single day. Right. But I'll, I'll share one. Two weeks ago, um, my housemates and I and a few friends or probably five, six of us were at a, an outdoor coffee shop uh, down the road drinking coffee. I was, you know, telling a story and uh, I noticed two older white gentlemen two tables away um, who were kind of, you know, thrown off by my tics. And to be clear, it's it's totally okay for folks to be taken by surprise the first one, two, three times. It's different. You might get startled. I totally get that. The fifth, sixth, seventh time I tick, if you are still either giving me dirty looks or having a conversation amongst yourselves, that's when I'm like, all right, where where's the empathy? Where's the understanding? Where's the perspective taking here, right? And I actually, and, and as someone with Tourette's, I've gotten really good at either reading lips or picking up on conversations that other people around me are having because nine times out of 10, they're about me, mm. right? And I saw all those two gentlemen. One guy said, you know, that guy keeps making these noises. I don't really know what's, what's going on. And I was in the middle of telling a story to my friends and I stopped right there and I said, uh, hey, hey, gentlemen, and they both kind of startled and, and looked at me and I said, just want to let you know that the, the noises that I'm making, I'm, I'm making because I have Tourette's. So they're not actually something that, that I can help. And I wanted to make sure you understood that. And one guy uh, was was like, oh, um, <clears throat> sorry, I, I, I really didn't realize that and the other guy uh, so, so he was a little more appreciative and then the guy he was sitting with said wow you've got some some pretty good ears mm -hmm. um and and i said yeah you you learn to listen in on other people's conversations when nine times out of ten they're they're about you um so that's just one example right and then i've got uh, i'll share one more example with you um i took a, a class last quarter here at the gsb called touchy feely which is all about your your emotions, interpersonal dynamics, how you think through your own emotions. Um, actually, when both of you said that that you felt very warm when I was sharing the story about my mom, that was a line straight out of touchy feeling. Mm. Um, our <laughs> our kind of framework is, hey Sunny, hey Mank, when you said this, it made me feel mm. that right. Um, and in my T group, which is a small group of 14 other students who I spent 10 hours a week with uh, for an entire quarter, we really got to know each other and our emotions. <laughs> Towards the end of the quarter, um, someone who's become a very dear friend of mine here at Stanford, um, we were talking about Tourette's and about how it shaped my life. And he said, you know, Kevin, I remember one afternoon we had another class together called Managing Growing Enterprises. He said, you know, Kevin, I remember um, one day in NGE, you weren't there. And, you know, five minutes into class, I noticed that you weren't there. 
because I hadn't I hadn't heard your ticks and I felt this deep sense of like loss. I felt this void because your ticks have kind of become a part of our community, a part of our collective experience here at the GSB. And to know that I am surrounded right here in this moment by 400 people who have just accepted me for all of me. It's those sorts of moments uh, that, uh, that give me a lot of hope for the world and for the people in it because for every shitty person with bad intentions, I really do believe that there are a hundred deeply empathetic people with really, really good, good intentions. And those are the types of, of people who I want to both spend my own time with and, and whose voices and experiences I want to lift up because we just need more of that in the world. I, I didn't know that there was a subject like that, Kev. Yeah. Um, why, why, like, if I, I'm quite curious, like, um, what is the, the premise of the subject and yeah. um, what's it trying to achieve? Yeah, so it, we call it touchy-feely. The actual course is called Interpersonal Dynamics. Gotcha. And it's exactly <laughs> that. It is, it is, it's all about how to acknowledge and access and kind of process your own emotions and then how to communicate about those feelings and emotions mm. effectively with other people and also about how you create environments that allow other people to do the same and the the kind of thread behind that class is here at the gsb we are all being trained to go on and lead big organizations in the public sector the private sector the social sector in our respective corners of the world and so much about leadership in fact i think everything about leadership boils down to people and how you make people feel and how you allow other people to feel you can have the best business model you can have the most efficient supply chain you can have the most cutting edge technology in the world mm -hmm. but if your organization isn't led by people who 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 cultivate care and empathy and thoughtfulness all of those things matter not right they're going to fall flat on their faces so that's kind of the premise behind the class is to build us as future leaders uh to 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 know who we are and how we're showing up and to allow other folks around us to do the same yeah i love that i feel like um yeah, you guys at Stanford really deliver some awesome classes. <laughs> There's, I, like, Mank, I look back at our undergrad, and I know this is probably masters. We didn't get access to any of these sort of subjects that I would have loved to take, and even like Startup Garage. Um, mm -hmm. And Kev, there's also another one because um, uh, I've been speaking with Jenna, um, a coaching class that there's that coaching. Uh, uh -huh. I, can't, I can't remember what the exact name is, but just classes like that, that really like develop you interpersonally. Um, yeah. and, I, and I imagine the people that take these classes are wanting to push themselves uh, as opposed to maybe this is Mank and I just being a small sample size, taking classes just to lift our grades up. 
um, the easy ones. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and you know you hear people say you know grades don't matter in business school. That rings very very true here at the GSB. I think our <laughs> like our 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 grade non disclosure policy, meaning employers literally can't ask us for our grades yeah. i think on one hand is a little bit elitist it's like oh we go to school here you don't need to worry about our grades <laughs> on the other hand i will say that i think it kind of turns the incentive system upside down in a pretty cool way in yeah. so far as to your point sunny i'm not you know spinning my tires trying to perfect accounting or finance i'm doing just enough in those subjects to get by and to kind of know what I'm talking about, jury's still out, and then <laughs> and then reallocate the remainder of my time and energy to subjects and experiences and people and things that I'm like really jazzed up about, mm. and that's I don't know, that's how I think we should spend our time and mm. energy. Yeah, I really love that. Um, I'm conscious of your time, Kev. Um, I know we started <laughs> half an hour past the dot as well. Um, this has been a fabulous if, if conversation. We need to go, if, if we need to go a little <laughs> a little over, we, we totally can. Yep. Um, I, I want to make sure that, that y'all get uh, what you need, but also uh, I, I talk a lot, so I, I would understand if you want to wrap this up. And, and <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, we're loving it. We've, um, we've actually developed a little uh, rapid fire for you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I think, yeah, um, definitely just want to use this space to do a rapid fire and then where people can find you if they want to connect with you as well. Um, but maybe um, Manic and I are itching for this rapid fire. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you're really building this up. I'm yeah, we're <laughs> bottled up with questions right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, I bet that's the first time you've delivered that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, actually, uh, I've rehearsed it about ten times before. I, before yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, delivery was flawless. Job oh, was thanks, Kevin. <laughs> um, uh, I can, I can kick it off, Mank. Um, yeah, go ahead. We'll do a little drum roll. We'll try and do it a little bit faster. Uh, Got to get the rapidness into it. Rapidness, yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favorite subject um, across Stanford and Harvard? Ooh, favorite subject. Yeah. Uh, education policy. Nice. Nice. What's your favorite music genre? Ooh, man. I, I'm i a Texan, so I got to say country. country. I'm true to yeah. my roots. <laughs> yeah. Dixie Chair. Love uh, it. Love it. You got to send us some as well. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you my, my I, I think my playlist is called Country Bops or like Country Claps. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I will, uh, I'll send it over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Done. <laughs> um, you touched on leadership uh, a moment ago and you had a pretty powerful way of describing it, but your best leadership lesson that you've learned best leadership lesson uh it's all about authenticity you mm. need to show up as you are be who you are stand for the things that are you know core to who you are and maybe most importantly as a leader create space and time for others to do the exact same thing mm. I think you should spend more time listening than you do speaking yeah. as a leader. Uh, I think that you should identify your non-negotiables and, and, and carry them with you across the finish line um, and, and go out of your way to develop that same courage and authenticity and, and sense of curiosity in the people around you. Mm. Wow. 
If you had one superpower, yeah. what would it be? <laughs> one superpower. That's Tony Stark. Man. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like it's a cop-out, but I, I want to fly. I, I don't know. I think it would be cool. Can you imagine just like walking out of your front door and when you go to meet your friends, not, not worrying about where your keys are or where you're going <laughs> to yeah. park, you literally just like take off. Take off yeah. How insane would that be? Yeah. If, if it's, if it's going to come from anywhere, it's going to come from the town and you're in. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's kind of a, a no no I'll, pressure. I'll no pressure. You're just going to <laughs> shrug a couple of people on the shoulder. <laughs> I'll volunteer to be their beta tester when they come out with the next jetpack. Yeah. <laughs> um, you touched on uh, podcasting a moment ago. You, you love your podcast. Um, what's your yeah. favorite podcast uh, or maybe something you're listening to at the moment? Ooh, my favorite podcast. Apart from Bottled Up. Yeah, you know, we 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 just have apart we just have to put that as a apart, disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> apart from bottled up, clearly, um, my favorite pro, uh, my my favorite podcast is probably a podcast called Still Processing. Uh, it's by Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham, uh, two black folks based out of New York, uh, who talk about really important shit uh, in a really beautiful way but add some like levity and and grace and lightheartedness to it as well um they were a, a big uh source of information and education for me back in 2020 when i started thinking a lot about the role i play in kind of racial equity and, and moving the collective towards that um so still processing i would absolutely recommend it and then I'm going to cheat and give you a second one. I can't <laughs> not say the daily It mm. is the, the easiest way to get caught up to speed with what's happening from a politics and policy and current events perspective. I have to listen to it uh, when I shower in the morning and it uh, makes me feel like I know what's going on. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. There's a, is, uh, is it by the New York times? Is that the one? It is. Yeah. Yep, gotcha, yep, gotcha. Yep. There's, there's actually one. In both, a... I think both are, I think still processing and uh, uh, the daily are both by the New York Times. Uh, awesome. There's a, there's a, um, a podcast and then also this like media platform in Australia that's kind of kicking off called the daily the odds. Daily, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so, I love it. Yeah. So it's, uh, they, they say that they're Australia's uh, leading <laughs> social first news service and their facts on the, in the way they deliver the news. So, uh, okay. It's a bit of an unpaid, unpaid shout out to them. <laughs> unpaid shout out. I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to start listening to that mainly so that I can just listen to Australian accents. All yeah, <laughs> way, way cooler than American. Mank has a pretty, uh, yeah, Mank's American accent. There, uh, you got to listen to that one. We'll do it. We'll do it off air. Yeah, no, off air. Oh, yeah. Off the recording, I'll, I'll try and give it a That's shot. But, but, uh, I'll only, uh, I'll only give an American accent if you give try give it an Australian one, Kevin. <laughs> Done. We'll finish okay, on. That's- that's the thing about Australian. It's the hardest accent to nail. I can do. I can do British. Like okay, I actually live with a, a British woman, and in time we're together, I, I I just speak in a British accent exclusively. But Australians tough to do. Yeah, no, it, 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 it is tough to do. Um, maybe a, maybe last, of... last rapid fire an American accent. Come on. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, fine. I'll, I'll give it a shot. As long as you don't take offense, Kevin. Um, I, I won't. I won't. Okay. Um, nah, it's too much pressure. Nah, I can't. I can't. Uh-oh, pressure. Too the much pressure. What's the first thing that you think no, of in the morning? What's the first thing you think of when you get up in the morning? Uh, <laughs> He's uh, done it. Uh, That's incredible. <laughs> 
wow that was that was incredible holy i see i can't do my australian accent now because it pales in comparison it pales in comparison um wow man that was that was uh that was inspiring thank you for that um first thing i think about when i wake up in the morning um realistically it's when am i going to go on my run yeah yeah like nice. how how am i going to carve out time <laughs> in my calendar uh to go on my run and then in a very like existential philosophical way how am i going to make meaningful impact in the world mm. <laughs> <laughs> which i do care deeply about but it's a i think it's too lofty a question to think about first thing uh, yeah. 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 right yeah uh. maybe like every other afternoon yeah that makes sense yeah there's different ways that people can answer that question it's like do they want the, what i actually think about or is it more like it's a philosophical question like when i think of it and when I, I gave when I, you both exactly you gave me both we gave us both which is good so when i wake up in the morning i'm more like i just want to go back to sleep <laughs> that's fair see i i i am kind of an unapologetic morning person i do my best thinking and talking and processing between like 5 30 mm. and 8 a.m and then on the flip side like you will get nothing good out of me after eight o'clock at night yeah. full stop i'm still fun to be around after eight o'clock at <laughs> yeah. night but like if you want me to add value to a conversation sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, of what time is it over there at the moment it is 4 35 oh, so friday yeah. afternoon yeah. Awesome. three hours 25 for anyone that wants to pick your brain if you were <laughs> if you were this elo- if, if you were this eloquent at uh at 4 p.m i wonder how eloquent you would have been at uh, at, at am <laughs> would have loved to uh... we'll we'll do it again we'll schedule our next call for 5 30 uh, fire side chat with kevin sarah I think that's the. <laughs> well, no, that we'll, we'll oh God. refer to you as afternoon Kevin right now, and then we're, in the next one we'll refer to you as morning Kevin. It'll be like a whole different. <laughs> thing. Uh, fine, fine. We'll we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah. Uh, last last one, Kevin. Is um, where can people find you? Um, I think a lot of the stuff that you spoke about, we'll put it in the show notes, and especially the the GSB talk that you did, the TED talk. I think it was actually. I keep referring it to yeah. as GSB talk. Um, we'll put that in the show notes for those listening in. Um, where can people find you? And if you've got any final, you know, final things that you want people to take away uh, from this conversation with? Man, so I'm, I'm going to start with the final takeaways. And, and this is actually something that I say in, in the uh, talk around neurodiversity, but given the, the spirit behind Bottled Up, I, I think it's probably worth repeating. <laughs> One, just like physical health, we all have mental health and i think it's wildly important to talk about it um i think it's wildly important to normalize what is truly normal which is the fact that we all bring a lot to you know the spaces that that we occupy um and having those conversations and creating time and space to have them um i think is is wildly important so normalize what's normal um question first impressions and recognize that you're already you know you're always working off limited sets of of data really go out of your way to spend time with people who look act think pray love differently than you do i think it's really really important to kind of expand uh your your in group to the extent that you can um and just be unapologetically yourself. It sounds trite, but authenticity is is 
um, is always going to put you uh, where you need to be and when you need to be there. Uh, and then in terms of how to find me, for better or for worse, I'm really easy to find. I'm on all the the social media channels, so on Instagram and, and Twitter. It's just at Kevin Helgren, H-E-L-G-R-E-N, Kevin Helgren on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but like any good millennial, I don't really use uh, Facebook. And also, like any good millennial, I'm not nearly cool enough to be on TikTok. So sorry if uh, <laughs> if that's where any of the the folks listening Listen today were to hoping it. to find me. But uh, yeah, easy to get a hold of on social media and on LinkedIn. And I welcome uh, conversations because I think they're important. Love it. That is a wonderful way to end. Um, Kev, thank you for coming on. Um, beautiful words and a beautiful story. Um, I'll stop yapping on. This is Sunny signing off. Mank signing off. And this is Kevin signing off. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you are enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.